Welcome to the Attentive Heart Podcast, where we explore how an integration of mind, body, and spirit make us whole and enable us to become more compassionate to ourselves and to others. I'm your host, John Grabovich. And today, my guest is Antonia Fusco. And so, Antonia, I'm happy that you're here with me. I know we've known each other for many years. We knew each other kind of virtually at first during the COVID pandemic, and um, we got to know each other, of course, in person since then. Uh, but how about you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you spend most of your time these days? Um, well, I'm a secular Franciscan, and I was professed last uh, March, which was a three-year process. Um, and I'm a school teacher, and I am a convert, kind of re-coming back to the church. I mm -hmm. uh, was mm -hmm. baptized, was uh, received communion, and then went through that sacrament, and then never was never confirmed. And I returned to the church in 2017. That's great. Now, I like how you led off by saying that you're a, a secular Franciscan. I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, what the heck does that mean? So maybe we can just kind of unpack that first and maybe try to understand what led you down that path. So what, what is that, a secular Franciscan? Well, it's a religious order. Um, you know, we have a profession, which is a lifelong profession to live the gospel life according to the charism of St. Francis of Assisi. Mm -hmm. um, so there are three orders, three main orders. Um, there's the first order, the friars, and the second order is the poor clares, and they live a, um, you know, they um, profess, they have vows. But the third secular Franciscan order was also founded um, by San Francis himself Francis, okay. um, when people were, you know, gravitating towards him and people were wanting to leave their secular lives and they had, might have been married or children. So he created a third order. So this order is to live in the secular life, I guess, kind of similar to like a, a deacon in that regard. I mean, you're living the secular, secular life, but you're not just, you know, um, a practicing Catholic in the in the sense of well, I go to church on Sundays. It's a um, it's a it's a commitment to um, living by the rule, and you know we have a, a rule book that we mm -hmm. as you know articles that we live by, um, and so there's a structure. We also pray the liturgy of the hours, which um, you know the other orders, every order in the church prays every, every day, um, and we have meetings, and it's just another level of commitment. Um, and support to bringing gospel to life and life to gospel. Sure. Okay. Now that's great. Let's just unpack this a little bit more because I'm sure a lot of people might be wondering, okay, I, I understand maybe what a priest does. I understand maybe what Franciscans do. They wear those habits. They're usually working with the poor and things like that. We kind of understand what religious sisters are, nuns. Once again, we think about habits maybe. We think about a community. Um, but it, you're you're clearly not a religious sister. You're not a nun. You're a lay person who's married, and you went down this path of kind of almost living your life under a, a vow of obedience. Uh, is that is that what you would say is is happening here? That that you've kind of are living a vowed life, much the same way that a priest or a religious sister kind of live a committed life. Is is that what that this is? Or yes, absolutely. It's in fact. We wear a, a Tau cross and um, mm -hmm. the three knots for obedience, chastity, and poverty. So okay. yes, it's so it's really living um, a life that's uh, 
more fluid. So it's not compartmentalized, you know, I mean, in the sense that I'm trying to bring the gospel to everything I do in my secular life. Okay. I mean, so this is like so fascinating, right? So you, you mentioned these vows, right? Now, how as a lay person, as a married lay person working in the world as a teacher, how do you live these vows? Poverty, chastity, obedience. That's, that's what you said the vows are, right? Um, yes, but they're not vows. You have to remember that we don't do vows. So we, okay, we call so, it a profession. Okay. So let's say that, let's say they're promises, right? I think, is that yes, a better word you think? Promises. Okay. So these are promises. Yes. So now as a priest or as a religious sister in a religious order, typically these vows are, I guess you would say in some way, uh, easier to live because of the fact that things are all held in common. You don't typically have your own money. You know, you, you share everything. Uh, clearly, you're not married, so you don't have like uh, the temptation of being unchaste, let's say. I mean, granted, I mean, that's all in an ideal world. We know that there's scandal. We know that there's problems and everything. But, but you know, it's kind of organized in, in a very institutional way as a priest and as a religious sister to be able to uphold these vows. But as you said, it's a lot more fluid in the lay state meaning that you don't have this institutional kind of way to kind of uphold or to make sure that you follow these vows. So how do you follow them? How do you stay true to these promises um, that you've made? And it's what, it's been like just over a year now for you? How long has it been? I'm losing track. Well, I've um, I've been in the, I mean, so I've been going oh, to the fraternity meetings, but I've been professed since March 2000. March. Uh, March, yeah. Maybe it might be best to kind of first say what attracted to you to making these promises and then take it from there as to how you live these promises. Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's interesting how I came to the order is because of a hunger for Christ, mm -hmm. a deepening relationship. Mm -hmm. So um, that kind of, that also happened very organically. What drew me to um, St. Francis was also a lot of, um, you know, the Holy Spirit, little, we always call them coincidences, Mm -hmm. led me and you know you can go that could take a long time to unpack if you will but let's just say that when after my father died and I experienced a conversion that was very strong I had to plan his funeral and I, I as I said I was a lapsed Catholic and I love the St. Francis prayer which I have come to learn is not really written by Francis <laughs> although it, it's imbued with his it's imbued it's imbued with his sense of you know the you know the canticle of the creature I, so I loved his mm -hmm. um spirituality and um and then when i was on retreat and i was feeling a very strong pull towards uh the faith in a, in a deeper way i was told let me think about um you know a, a lay association or something like that well mm -hmm. it so happened that i had looked in a bulletin and i saw a call for secular franciscans i held that for a long time so then i pursued it so in terms of living what you said these promises the articles help you in my rule book. So every day I meditate and I take one of the articles like today. And I always say they're kind of long, but it's something similar long. And today is just, I fulfill the, um, you know, I imitate Mary in complete self-giving and in confidence. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll meditate on that. Right. And mm -hmm. that will help me with the, all those, what you say, chastity and people think of chastity and that flesh chest chastity means so many different things, right? Sure. Poverty it helps with those things. So the articles, that St. Francis laid out helps you to live that. Mm -hmm. um, also the fraternity itself, you know, I mean, the Pope's encyclical about, you know, fraternity, mm -hmm. our fraternity is a fraternity in which all of us um, support each other. So we're not alone in that regard. 
However, we do have a friar who's part of our spiritual director. And he said, you guys have it much harder than we do precisely for what you said that we don't have, we don't live in community, mm-hmm. but um, so the challenges are great, but you know, we have our sacraments, right? I mean, with the Eucharist, all of that supports. And so you fall, you fall, but you always begin again. Um, and for me, it's more about the trying. It's more about the concert, the conscious effort. Mm-hmm. And also um, disposing yourself to allowing for failure so that you can be filled to be successful. You know, I mean, it's yeah. important. So, yeah. you know, yeah, it's not going to be perfect. Sure. And I, I want to hear more about these particular components that you that you have promised to, to do as, as being a secular Franciscan. But, you know, it was fascinating when you said that, you know, what led you on this path was the the passing of your father, which led to a conversion or reconversion into taking your faith life seriously as a Catholic. So what happened there when you had that experience of the loss of a loved one? How, how did that actually, you know, make you want to think more about your spiritual life? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you something prior to that. I used to say, joking, jokingly, and, very, and also very serious, that I was the least mm-hmm. spiritual person there was. I was like, mm-hmm. what you see is what you get, kind of, very blunt person in that regard. Mm-hmm. Caring for my dad when he died in his house, was he had home hospice. After he, after his body was taken and people were around the apartment, I had, to, I had to take a phone call and I was in the bedroom where he passed and I was with him when he actually took his last breath. Wow, wow. It was very powerful. And my father was devout, you know, so I was there holding his hand the whole, those three days before he actually passed. It was three days, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so after I was sitting on the bed where and where he was laying and I was on the phone and all of a sudden I just felt something in my heart. It was a burning. Mm. It, was a, it was a burning and it was so comforting and beautiful. And so I was just stunned, you know, and I was just laying there and I just didn't ever want to move. I was both sad and it was beautiful at the same time. Now, prior to that, my dad was having me read something to him, which was a memoir of a, of a, a sister, Pauline's sister, who was dying. And it was so beautiful. It, made, it led me to, after that and that experience, as soon as I got back home, grieving for my father, I bought a Bible. Okay. And now I didn't know. I never, I never had a Bible or anything like that. We just didn't have it in the house. I started sure. reading the Psalms. Interesting. And then I started, and then I walked to church and I found a church and it was Lent time and and um, I went into the confessional box and I said, listen, I, I, I don't know what's going on. I'm telling you what, just, what I just told you. And he says, God's calling you. And it mm. just kept leading more to that. So it mm. began with the heart. And now it's so interesting when I look back on that, because everything, the sacred heart of Jesus, it all fell into place. And beginning with the Psalms, because isn't that what the liturgy of the hours is, is all the Psalms. And sure. now, this wasn't me, you know, that's how... Yeah we know there's 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 a spirit that's and so even though that spirit was dormant maybe it wasn't dormant but at least it was consciously dormant in me um now when i look back i see all the other opportunities in which god was always knocking and i remember them now and see it now but it was only in that moment with my father that it was that i was able to receive it and you know i I often say like faith really is more recognizing the faithfulness of God in our past more than kind of putting your blind faith into something that you don't know anything about. Like, you know, you see how things like worked out in such, sometimes you could say even miraculous ways in our past that makes you think like, well, clearly I'm supposed to be here and clearly something is helping me get through each day. And that is what strengthens my faith in a God who's been so faithful to me. 
you know, up to this point. You know, you, you mentioned about the Psalms. I mean, a lot of people struggle with the Psalms, you know, and, and especially if you go into it cold, which almost sounds the way that you did this, like, how did you navigate, like, knowing which Psalms to read? I mean, did you just start at one and you just, did you just keep on going? Yeah, I mean, like, okay, interesting. Because a lot of people get turned off when they start reading certain things or, you know, or at least the Psalmist is always talking about warring or talking about, like, you know, you know, despite my enemies and all this other kind of stuff. I mean, so was there any way, any way that you had a certain type of, um, let's just say process of being able to take the scripture, take the Psalm and to integrate it into your prayer life or integrate it into your just uh, recollection? I mean, cause it, like I said, I think a lot of people um, may find it daunting approaching scripture because they don't know where to begin or they don't know what to do with things that maybe in some ways don't bring them peace right so was, was there anything that you remember from that period uh, when you were kind of delving down that yeah well it was mostly intellectual okay. so that's how i would say so even though i the conversion was very uh visceral if you will when i got the bible it became an intellectual pursuit you know i mean and what was interesting is that i recognized my dad in there you know, oh, that's really that cool. was this like Italian oh. that had this real black and white look. So I saw my dad in that like oh, those so strong, cool. powerful moments. Mm -hmm. So I felt connected to him. But then, of course, the Psalms have the other, the beautiful thanks, the Psalms of Thanksgiving and the Psalms of Mercy. And mm -hmm. I responded to that. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I don't even know if my dad would have liked the Psalm, the the Saint Francis prayer I chose. But I thought that's perfect. You know. Wow. So. Um, so I, I, I pursued it intellectually. Some of the Psalms were hard, but they were always, they're always so beautiful. And even if the ones that are difficult always have a beautiful line that just sort of rings. Right. And, and so, um, yeah, I just, and then I started going to church and then it helped when they had the scripture readings for each week, right. you know, so I just sort of did diligently read them and yeah. I went through. And of course, you know, if you go through the, you know, the A, B and C liturgy of the liturgical years, you, you get a lot of the Bible. So that's how, sure. how it worked for me. And then it just, so it wasn't intellectual, it wasn't, and then I, things happened in my life. You know, you talk, this is contemplation. So many, I noticed connections to things. So I noticed things. So all of a sudden I started seeing ways that God communicates with me in the subtle ways in hmm. nature or in what we call coincidences. So that helped fuel uh, me to 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 read even more the scripture even when it's difficult because I knew that there was it was goodness you know for me that's how I would probably process it was yeah. calling it goodness there I knew there was goodness there and I liked I was drawn to the goodness that was there the goodness in the scripture you're saying or the goodness yeah. in yeah okay there's, you know there's a sense of a pouring out and and even if things are difficult in it there's an honesty to it and it can be raw, but it can also be soothing. And it's all these things wrapped up. So, you know, I don't know, you know, I sort of, I, I always felt a lot of some of these underpinnings of emotions that go extreme. So I kind of identified with all of that. Yeah, I think that's a great point you bring up about the Psalms in particular. I mean, we kind of forget they're written by a, a human being, right? I mean, and and the beauty of it is that you can identify with the humanity of the author in in the person wrestling in their relationship with God at times, um, because that's what I think we end up doing so many times is just wrestling with, you know, what wh where is God in this, and, and you know, and and why am I always on like why do I feel like I'm on the losing end of things, and and why do why do the the people who are 
who are criminals at times, they're, they're the ones who kind of prosper. And, and here I am trying to do it right and, and play by the rules and, and things aren't working my way. I mean, th there's a psalm for every situation because uh, it's expressing just the human condition and, and everything that comes along with it. And so it's it, to me, I, I, I found that the psalms have been a way to empathize with the writer of the psalm um, in, in his or her frustration uh, that spill out onto the page, so to speak. It's it's not as if somehow there, you know, we we don't really believe this about anything in scripture. It's not like divine dictation necessarily. It's not as if somehow the author is just blindly writing what God wants him or her to write. I mean, it, it, there's there's this kind of sense that God is cooperating with our emotions and our desires and our frustrations. And it, like I said, it spills out onto the page. Um, you keep on mentioning about the St. Francis prayer. Now, what, what exactly is the St. Francis prayer that, that you're talking about? I mean, maybe some of us know the prayer of St. Francis, Lord, make me a channel of your peace. Is, is that what we're yes. talking about here? That's, okay. Yeah, that's what we're talking about, yeah. Okay, and, and so when, when were you first introduced to that prayer? Yeah, I was looking for prayers, you know, I was looking for mass cards. I knew I had, to, I was just being the dutiful daughter, you know, I <laughs> in see. terms of that, right? So I was looking and of course they had, you know, Psalm 23 and, so it was, it came up as one of the, when I did my little research. And so it popped up cool. as a very popular prayer to put on a mass card. Oh, that's so cool. On a prayer card, rather, I should say a prayer card. Um, right. And so that's what I, I, I chose. And then, um, and it, it, it just spoke to me, I, I know, and I know there's different versions of it too. So, right. you know, I mean, be the, you know, I mean, like even Gandhi said, be the peace you want to see, you know, that kind of idea that the, if you, the world transforms from the inside out, you know, and. And, you know, as Catholics, we think the spirit is transforming us to transform the world, you know? Sure, sure. So, all right. So you, it seems as if this uh, prayer, though, definitely kind of led you into more of a, an investigation on on Francis. I mean, the uh, attributed author. You know, you had the, the I think you said you had the, the conversation with the priest who said that, you know, you're being called or being led to explore some type of formal type of commitment. So... You know, you you take this prayer coming from the Franciscan tradition, and you move towards the France, the secular Franciscans. So, let's just kind of flash forward to um, the formation of what that was all about. So, how did you find out? Like, like, where do you go to know how to start this whole process? I mean, is it easy to search for something that's on the web, or really, like, how does how does one go about this? Well, you know, for me, it was in the bulletin. I go to um, St. Francis of Assisi Church sometimes on 31st Street. Oh, yeah. Right. And in their bulletin, they had a, like a little mm -hmm. thing about, are you interested in becoming a secular Franciscan? Okay. So I saw that. And I'm like, oh, what's that? You know? Um, and so that's how I found it. But then I had to do research. It wasn't because their their webpage was like, Def, like defunct it was like it right. took a lot of research to and then, and then it, it's always kind of funny that so many church websites look like they were made in 1995 or something i'm like 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 what is going on here i mean like it's just so it's like we just purposely make it difficult for people to kind of do these things but anyway continue so, <laughs> yeah it was like yeah. part of it i was like right. kind of going in and looking and it was right. funny because i even before that retreat when the sister told me my that spiritual director told me to think about an associate la association i had that bookmarked you know what i mean as a possibility yeah. okay. but I, I didn't know so um so it, it took a little bit of time and then i knew i wanted to uh and it was at that church so our meetings were at that church
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Attentive Heart Podcast. We hope that you were able to find it helpful in your spiritual journey and practice. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Sunday to Sunday Productions and The Witness Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and share it with friends.